RPC today, Royal Princess Club. Uh, that's all of our young ladies, uh, about 12 years old, from 12 to 19 or so. Um, and uh, we're doing 20 years old, Mary. Is 12 to 20? 12 to 20, all right. And so any of our young ladies in that age bracket, we do have our Sunday afternoon club, RPC. If you're interested in that, then you can see Miss Mary up here on the the front, uh, Miss Mary Thomas, and she'll be glad to help you uh, with that. If you have any questions about that, you see her after the service today. I encourage you to get involved. You know, we, we, you know, we we do these things, and uh, Brother Brandon promotes these youth activities and things. You know, uh, Brother Brandon doesn't do that because he's just sort of bored. You know, and just sits around thinking, what can I do to fill up my time? When you have a kid, you're not bored, and when you have twins, you're definitely not bored, and. Uh, but listen, we do it for you. We do it for you. We do Wednesday service for you. We do Sunday school for you. We do uh, ladies' meetings for you. We do, you know, all these things for you. So let me encourage you to be faithful to the program uh, of the church. Well, I'm glad these young people are here this morning. Amen. 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 I love young people. I still feel like I'm one of the youth. You know, that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is, is sort of hand the youth over to some uh, to some guys that were just a little younger than I was, you know, and I, I still feel like I'm there, man. I still feel like I'm young. I really do, and I am still young, and uh, you're only as, what is it? You're only as young as you think? Is that what it is? Well, I still think I'm young, man. Uh, I'm glad these young people are here this morning, up here this morning, but I want to uh, just say something real quick. The message that I'm going to bring this morning is so important then I'm going to ask all of our young people to stay real still during the preaching time. And I don't want you to move unless it's an absolute positive emergency and you're sick. I mean, you're just so sick you can't stand it. Uh, I'm going to ask you just to really stay still for me just for a little while because we don't want anybody to miss the message that a pastor is going to bring this morning. So I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. And uh, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us, I know we've been in John chapter 2 now for a little while, uh, and we probably won't stay here much longer, but uh, God had given me uh, another uh, couple messages. We're going to be in John chapter 2 this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 2 tonight. But God had given me a very, very important uh, message here that I feel like it's, it's uh, vital that I bring this to the church. And so we're going to be here just a little, just a little while longer, and going to give us an opportunity to learn John chapter two a little bit better. Uh, and uh, Amen. This this book is is you can't exhaust it. Did you know that? Every time you go back, it, man, it's just it's like a it's like a a flowing uh, spring. I mean, it just you know every time you go back, it's crystal clear and clean and refreshing and uh, just I mean every time you open it, it just man, it just comes out. And that's how John chapter 2 is. And so, uh, but we will skip down just a little ways today. Uh, we'll be back up toward the, the, the top of it tonight. But John chapter 2 and verse 18, we'll start there uh, this morning. The Bible says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, talking about Jesus, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus has, by the way, Jesus has just cleared the temple. He's made a scourge and he's ran out the money changers and overturned the tables and poured out their money and he's ran out the oxen and the sheep and, and the dove uh, sellers and all those things out of the temple. I mean, man, just had a, I mean, listen, it's a shambles and he meant it to me. And, uh, and they said in verse number 18, 
What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? In other words, what right do you have to do what you just did? Now, we'll get into that tonight, and you won't want to miss the message tonight. But verse number 19 seems like an odd response to that question. They said, who do you think you are? And Jesus said in Verse number 19, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. (laughs) And we read that and we think, what? He didn't answer their question, but he did answer their question. And again, we're going to get into that tonight, all right, not this morning. Then said the Jews, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Now watch very closely the next few verses. When, he, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Interesting, interesting two verses. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. You may be seated this morning and as you can see, I know this is a little odd title as well, but it's just it's, it's, it's what I felt like I was preaching on today. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the contrast of John, the contrast of John. And so uh, you'll understand the message in just, just a few minutes. And I'll put just a couple few things up on the screens today, at least to, to maybe, maybe it'll stay in your mind a little longer. And so let's pray, and we'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. Father, thank you for your blessings, and thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary. And God, thank you for the great music and the choir and the specials. Lord, what an encouragement. What an encouragement to sing, Great is thy faithfulness. And uh, Lord, just a blessing to be able to sing that. But God, we thank you for the preaching time. And and now, Lord, I pray that you'll settle everybody down and I pray that you'll help us to really, really do our best to to really pay attention. I'm not going to use as many illustrations today. I'm not going to use as many, uh, you know, stories that I would normally use and I like to use those. Uh, We're going to be, uh, Lord, a little bit more, uh, just a little bit more straight-laced and down, down to earth today. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll help us, though, to receive what you have for us from the Word of God. I pray for power. Oh, God, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'll bless our people. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to listen intently and to learn. And, Lord, if there might be one here today that's never been saved, I pray today would be the day that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I'm going to preach doctrine, but, God, I pray at the same time that you'd encourage people today. I believe you can do all things through your, your Word. And so I pray you'll encourage those that are discouraged I pray that you'll help those that are confused. I pray, God, that you'll uh, just help those that are weary today. And I pray that Christ will receive glory and praise from it all. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. What a passage John chapter 2 is. Great, great passage. Uh, John chapter 2 seems 
unparalleled when it comes to life-changing truth. Now, I, I was careful to put that word seems in there. Seems unparalleled because it's not. It's not. Because really, you could go to John chapter 3 and you could get a lot of truth out of John chapter 3 as well. And then you could go to John chapter 4 and I promise you, there'd be as much truth in John chapter 4 and John chapter 5 and Acts chapter 1 and Romans chapter 1. And uh, it's just, you know what? You can just open it anywhere and it just bleeds truth everywhere you go. Uh, and you can go back to the same verse and God can give you something brand new. And you can go back to the same chapter and God will give you something brand new. And that's how John chapter 2 is. We see so many things in John chapter 2. For instance, some of these we've already noticed. We see one of the wisest couples in Scripture because they made it a point to invite Jesus to their marriage. We don't know much about them, don't know their name, don't know their parents, don't know where they were from. But, uh, but we know they were wise because they asked, they personally invited Jesus Christ to their marriage ceremony. And it is a wise person who invites Jesus into their life. We notice in John chapter 2, the last recorded words of the mother of Christ. Now, that's important when you see someone's last words that they ever spoke. And in John chapter 2, we find the last recorded words of, of the Virgin Mary, of Jesus' mother. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Oh, man, what great last words are those? Uh, just do whatever he says. It may not make any sense, but just do whatever he says. And then we notice, we, we notice some motivated servants that filled it to the brim. If you weren't here last Sunday night, get the CD. You need to hear the message from last Sunday night. And boy, what a great time we had in God's house last Sunday evening. But we notice those motivated servants that filled it to the brim. Then we notice a tremendous lesson on balancing the Christian life. We noticed this last Sunday morning. We saw Jesus uh, set the example in balance as a friend and then as a family man and then as pleasing his heavenly father. And, and, uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ showed us that all those things are important and it's important to be balanced in your Christian life. Now I believe along with these we see some very important lessons, contrast if you will uh, in John chapter 2 that I want to show you today. A contrast, something that seems the same but is very, very different. Uh, that's, that, that's what a contrast would be. Similarities but something that is very, very different. For instance, I got three we're going to give you one this morning, all right? Uh, number one, we see the contrast of humanity versus divinity. Now, I can't wait to get into that one tonight. Humanity versus divinity. We see that in John chapter 2. We see how he was God. We see how he was human. Uh, and so we'll talk about that tonight. Number two, we see the contrast of compassion versus passion. Uh, man, so important. Listen, if you miss tonight, you're going to miss a blessing. You're going to miss a blessing. You're going to miss something you need in your Christian life tonight. But we see the contrast of compassion versus passion. But also, and this is the one that I want to deal with today, we see the contrast of genuine conversion versus false profession. Genuine conversion versus false profession. Now, look back at your scripture again this morning, if you will, and I want you to look again at verse number 18, John chapter 2 and verse 18. And we may go to a few places, but be sure you keep your finger uh, at John chapter 2 at all times. John 2 verse 18, the Bible says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was, was this temple in building, and went thou reared up in three days. But he spake of the temple of his body. 
When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And I believe that God is getting ready to show us a contrast here. The contrast of what real conversion is and what a false profession is. He said there, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. But it doesn't end there. Then we go to verse number 23. The Bible says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed, well, that sounds good, they believed, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them. In other words, Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. And so we see the contrast of genuine conversion versus false profession. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? And this is what I'm talking about. There is a difference in being really saved and professing to be saved. Did you know that you can, and I'm not here to make you doubt this morning, and if you're truly born again, I don't think you're going to doubt. I think it's going to help you, not hurt you. But did you know that you can profess all day to be saved and really be lost? You, you know some of the most disappointed people in the world will be those who are, who are expecting go to go to heaven but end up finding out they're lost the whole time. And so there is a difference in being saved and professing to be saved. Let me put it this way. There is a difference in truly being a Christian and simply professing to be a Christian. By the way, a lot of people profess to be a Christian. Usually if we ask that question out visiting, are you a Christian? Usually most people in, in Union Grove will say, of course I am. Yes, I am. And then you may say, well, when did you become a Christian? And oftentimes they'll come back with this. I've always been one. Well, you haven't always been a Christian. Y'all with me this morning? So if you came to preacher and you said, preacher, when were you born? When's your birthday? When were you born? And I said, I've always been born. <laughs> you say, no, preacher, you don't understand. When were you born? And I said, I've always been born. And you, no, 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 preacher, when did your parents have you? When did you become the son of Bill and Betty Pope? And I said to you, I've always been the son of Bill and Betty Pope. You would say, Pastor, you are confused, okay? But for somebody to say, I've always been saved, they're just as confused. For someone to say, I've always been a born-again Christian. No, you've not always been a born-again Christian. There must be a time when you come to that point and you realize you're lost without Christ and you personally invite Jesus Christ in your, in your heart. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself here this morning. Now, did you know that Jesus warned of a day when some would say they're saved, but they're really lost? Uh, let me read it for you. You don't have to turn there. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody that says, amen, is going to get there. Not everybody that carries a Bible, even a King James Bible, is going to get there. Not everybody that's got their name on the church roll is going to get there. And so Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, I believe this today. I believe that John chapter two teaches us a great truth and it shows us the contrast between what genuine conversion is and false 
profession is. And I want to try to show you that uh, from John chapter 2, if I could, this morning, all right? So we'll put a few things up on the screen. How about this? Number one, we notice that genuine conversion is based upon personal belief. Genuine conversion, I'm talking about really being saved. If you're really a Christian, that's what I'm talking about when I say genuine conversion. Genuine conversion is based upon personal belief. Now look at your scripture, John chapter two. We notice something about this faith. We notice that it was a very personal faith. Look at verse 22. The Bible says, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. The Bible says, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. It was a personal belief. And I want you to understand something this morning, church, that real salvation is a personal thing. It's personal. You're not saved because your church believes something. Somebody says, do you know if you're going to heaven? Oh, yes. I go to Calvary. And Calvary preaches salvation by grace. Wait a minute now. That's wonderful that Calvary preaches salvation by grace. And we do preach salvation by grace, but it's not enough for your church to believe something. And someone says, well, you know, I know that I'm saved because, uh, preacher, I've got uh, great parents. My parents are Christians. My dad's a deacon. My dad's a Sunday school teacher. My mom sings in the choir. And I've got great parents, and they believe in Jesus. That's wonderful. Man, that's a great thing to say that your parents are born-again Christians. But listen to me now. It's very important you understand something, that you're not saved because your parents are saved, and you're not saved because your grandparents are saved, and you're not saved saved because your daddy was a preacher or your grandpa was a preacher or your grandmother's buried in the cemetery. Listen to me now. Uh, Salvation must be a personal, personal thing. Did you know today you're not saved because your pastor believes something? Uh, Again, understand, personal belief. Uh, salvation, real salvation is based on personal belief. John chapter one, verse 12. But as many as received him to them, Someone says, I just believe everybody's saved. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in John 1, 12, but as many as received him to them, to those that believed, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John chapter three and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, now that's, that's general, that's broad, that's anybody, but it's also the individual. That whosoever, Listen, it's not enough for Brother Brandon to believe. It's not enough for Brother Ricky to believe. Not enough for uh, Brother David to believe. You've got to believe. Man, it's got to be a personal thing with you. For God sent not his son of the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this, all I'm saying this morning is that if you are really saved, if you're really born again, it must be a personal Faith must be, must be. Uh, uh, can't be, uh, well, preacher, uh, grandma. Nope, can't be grandma. Uh, uh, well, preacher, I've got a great heritage. I've got a great legacy. Wonderful. But uh, that's not enough. That, that's not enough. It's got to be personal. By the way, I wrote this down. It's what's so horrible about infant baptism. Infant baptism. You know what infant baptism is? Infant baptism is a false profession. So uh, somebody buys this beautiful little white gown for their baby 
They take it up in front of this false preacher who takes a little bit of water and, and, and sprinkles a little water on their brow and then they walk out of there and, they, and that baby begins to grow up and they tell that baby, you're good. You're going to heaven because you had some water sprinkled on your head. Now, the only thing that baby got was a wet head. That's all they got. You say, Pastor, aren't you for dedicating your children to Christ? I'm absolutely for dedicating your children to Christ, but the Bible never says anything about baptizing them. And so my point this morning is this. That baby never made a personal choice. Now, mom and dad may say, well, you know what? We want our kid to get saved, but I understand that it's not enough for your mom and dad to want you to get saved, and it's not enough for your pastor to want you to get saved, and it's not enough for your, your, your parent to want you to get saved. You must make a personal decision. And when a person reaches the age of accountability, he must make a personal choice to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You say, preacher, I don't know about that. Well, let's get some Bible in on it. Mark chapter 10, verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, it was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. But he did not stop there. In verse number 15, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Again, it is a personal choice. It is a personal belief. You must make that decision. Nobody can make that decision for you. You must make that decision. I remind you in Acts chapter 26 that Paul wanted Agrippa to be saved, but Agrippa in the long run had to make that choice. And you read it, and Agrippa said, Paul, almost... Paul said, Agrippa, thou believest? I know thou believest. And Agrippa said, almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I remind you this morning that the Ethiopian, that, that Philip wanted the Ethiopian eunuch to be saved. But it was the eunuch that had to make the choice. Acts chapter 8 and verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou... Believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Not enough for Philip to believe. The eunuch's got to believe. And so, uh, again, I, I just, I want to, boy, I know that we're not swinging from the chandeliers and walking through the pews this morning. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't think I'll talk about a more important subject than what I'm talking about this morning. And just as sure as I'm here, there's somebody who's depending on something somebody else has done or you're depending on the fact that mom and dad told you that you were saved. Well, preacher, I'm saved. How do you know? Well, mom and dad told me I was saved. A long time ago, I, I did this, or I did that, or I, I went down to the altar, and what'd you do down there? Well, I don't know, but mom and dad said I was saved. Wait a minute now. It's not enough for mom and dad to tell you that you're saved or the preacher to tell you you're saved. I'm just telling you, brother, it must be a personal belief. It must be a personal choice. It is something that you and Jesus have to work out yourself. How about this? Number two, we notice that genuine conversion is based upon a preserved word. Now look back at your scripture again, John chapter two and verse number 22. I, I, I don't think this is accident that the Lord put this in there. John chapter two and verse 22. The Bible says, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered, I've got this emboldened, that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said unto them. This conversion 
was based upon what Jesus had said unto them. In other words, these disciples acted upon the word. And genuine conversion is a sinner hearing the word of God and acting upon what they hear. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Did you know this morning that this book that I have on my pulpit this morning and I'm holding in my hand right now, did you know this book is different from any other book? Did you know this is not like Sports Illustrated? Thank God for that. Did you know this book is not like Better Homes and Gardens? This book is not like a book you check out of the library. I'm gonna tell you what, buddy. This book's powerful. This book's alive. This book's perfect. Uh, This book will change your life. And I'm gonna tell you what, if you'll let it, this book will convict you and show you your, your need of Jesus Christ. And if you'll act upon that word, you can be saved. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divining of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Brother, uh, uh, really genuine conversion is based upon a preserved word. It's somewhere along the line. You heard the word of God and the word of God hit its mark as it always does and it sent conviction into your life and that's why you got saved. You've heard me tell that story about a fellow that was a, was a head of a major gang and, uh, and they were all the time looting and breaking into homes and, and stealing things. He had quite the business going. And one day they were out in the crowd and, and he saw something in the back of a, of a fellow's pocket and he pulled it out, thought it was a wallet and he pulled it out, stuck it in his coat and, and ran off with it. Later that night he got home and uh, opened it up, gonna see how much money was in it. When he came to find out it wasn't a wallet, it was a Bible. And man, he was so mad. He was excited about that money. He was so mad. And the story goes, he took that, that New Testament and he threw it across the room and it hit the wall and it fell down to the floor. And he thought he was just, he was so mad. But you know what? One thing he did, he noticed when he touched that Bible, he noticed the pages. You know what he said? He said, I think I can, I think those would work good for a cigarette. And so he didn't throw it away. He went over there and picked it up and every night, He'd rip out a page and he'd roll him a cigarette and he'd smoke a cigarette with those Bible pages. I mean, that went on for night after night after night until one night. He decided this night when he tore the page out, he was going to read it. And he began to read the Word of God and man, all of a sudden God began to do something. And the next night, you know what? He tore out another page and he read that page and and again he tore out the next page and he read that page and long story short, that man was born again and turned himself into the authorities and and made his life right and God used him in a great way. What what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that, that genuine conversion is based upon personal choice and genuine conversion is based upon a preserved word. But how about this? I think this is important. Genuine conversion is followed by pronounced change. Now look back at our scripture. John chapter two. Now now everybody hold on. Everybody buckle up tight. We might hit a little turbulence here in just a moment. Genuine conversion is followed by pronounced change. John two verse 22. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. These were disciples. 
And many of these literally changed the world for, for Christ. But understand something. They were first changed by the word that they heard. Yes, they did bring about a change. But understand, it was because conversion caused a change in their life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Come on, church, pay attention now. You don't want to miss this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We sing that little song on the bus sometimes. Things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Oh, yeah. Places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. People I used to date, I don't date them anymore. Things I used to smoke, I don't smoke them anymore. Things I used to snort, I don't snort them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Now, wait a minute now. Did you know what your pastor can't do, Jesus can do? And what this church can't do, Jesus can do. And I'm just telling you, brother, that you know what? When there is a genuine conversion that takes place, come on now, don't, 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 don't cut me off. When there's a genuine conversion that takes place, there ought to be a change. I mean, there ought to be pronounced change. I'm not saying you're gonna be super Christian. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you're gonna turn into Billy Graham. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this, brother, when you get saved, there ought to be some things that begin to change about your life. There ought to be a transformation. Brother, there ought to be some things that you ought to notice. There ought to be some things that we ought to notice. Amen, brother. And if there's no change, there's a problem. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to let it get real quiet because I want this to sink in. If you claim to be saved, have you ever wondered why your life never changes? Now I want that to marinate just for a minute. I mean, you didn't love the Bible before. You don't love it now. You weren't too crazy about church before. You're not crazy about church now. You're here. And by the way, I'm thankful. I'm glad you're here. I love you. Glad you're here. But I'm just saying this, you know what? Uh, to, to be quite honest with you, you know what? Before you made a profession, you didn't really care about preaching. But now that you've made a profession, you don't really care about preaching. Yeah, yeah, listen, if you claim to be saved, have you ever wondered why your life never changes? Ask a question. If I had a toothache, I mean one of those bad ones, and I called the dentist, dentist office and I said, Doc, listen, I've got a toothache. I mean, man, it's horrible. He says, all right, Mr. Pope, come on in and uh, we'll, we'll fit you in. And I go in and, uh, and they, let's just say they put me out and, and uh, well, I'm really hurting. And they go in there and they numb it and do all that they do and they put me out. Uh, and, um, and about an hour later, he wakes me up, and, and uh, man, I get up and, and uh, get my jacket on, and I get out, get out in the car, go home. All my numbing wears off. Got the same toothache. Ask a question. 
Do you think I'm going to wonder if maybe that dentist didn't do anything? All right, listen, if a, a brother, brother uh, Alex back there, he's a mechanic. If I, if I take my car to the mechanic and, hey man, it's, knock, 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 it's knocking, you know, and I, and I say, man, Mr. Mechanic, I've got a problem somewhere. I mean, man, my motor's knocking and, and wow, I don't know what's going on. He says, no problem, Mr. Pope, we'll take care of it. And uh, I leave it there that day and, and maybe later that day or the next day I go back and I pick it up and he says, look, got it all, got it all fixed for you. I said, thank you so much. What I owe you? He says, here's your bill. And I pay my bill and I go out in the car and I crank it up, knock, 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 knock. Ask you a question. Do you think that maybe I'm going to wonder if there's been a change? When I've got the same knocking, i got the same toothache, and there's some of you here this morning, and I love you, I love you to death, but there's some of you here this morning who profess to be saved, but you got the same knocking, and you got the same toothache, and you got the same, brother, you got the same problems going on, and there's no spiritual issues with you. I mean, brother, you don't like preaching anymore than you've ever liked preaching. You don't like the Bible anymore than you've ever liked the Bible. You don't care about church anymore than you've ever cared about church. And to be quite honest with you, you know what? I mean, Jesus, it's okay if you want to sort of fit him in somewhere, but he's really not that important, and he's really not a major priority. And I want to tell you, brother, listen, if you are really saved, there ought to be a change that takes place. And if it's still knocking, and if there's still a toothache, maybe you need to check up. Genuine conversion is based upon personal belief. Genuine conversion is based upon a preserved word. Genuine conversion is followed by a pronounced change. Now, wait a minute now, but here's the contrast. And I want you to hear me out and we're done. Watch this now. False profession is based upon public knowledge. Now, you say, preacher, what do you mean? Take your Bibles and look back at John chapter 2 and look at verse number 23. The Bible says now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, watch now, watch closely, Many believed in his name. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, church. That sounds like a good thing. Many believed in his name. Now, don't forget what the preceding scripture said. It said that they believed the scripture and the word that he had spoken unto them. And this says many believed in his name. And then you'll notice there is a comma. And it says when they saw the miracles which he did. But verse 24 says, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. They believed in his name. In other words, church, they knew there was something special about this person named Jesus. They believed he could do miracles. You know what they believed? They believed it was entertaining to be around him. <laughs> When you're around a guy that can turn water into wine, that's pretty good. When you're around a fellow who can heal blinded eyes, that's pretty entertaining. When you're around a guy that make, can make the cripple throw away the crutches, I mean, that's pretty entertaining. Uh, they believed that he could do things that others could not do, but that was the extent of their belief. Now, listen to me now. Listen to me now. Look up here, preacher. Did you know that being saved is more than just knowing about Jesus? They knew about him. They watched him do some miracles. And somebody said, boy, that Jesus, oh yeah, he's special. He's special. He's a, he's a special fella. 
Did you know that Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is special? But they're not born again. Did you know that Mormons believe that Jesus is special? But they're not born again. Being saved is more than just knowing about Jesus. Somebody says, preacher, I know I'm going to heaven. How do you know? I watched that Jesus movie. Listen, genuine conversion is more than just watching a movie. Genuine conversion is more than just knowing about his miracles or you say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved because I took a religion course uh, in, in college or, uh, or I was in a Sunday school that talked about Jesus. Listen, did you know that even if you go on to, to John chapter three, in fact, you're, the, you're John chapter two, why don't we? John chapter three, very, very next chapter, and we just get to verse number two, and this is talking about a fellow by the name of Nicodemus. Now watch this, John chapter three and verse number, verse number two, the same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, watch now, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You know what, you know what Nicodemus said? We know you're special. I mean, these other leaders won't admit to it, but they even know and we know. We know there's something different about you. But with that said, may I remind you, Nicodemus was lost. It's more than just knowing that Jesus, somebody says, I believe that Jesus was a prophet. Wonderful, but there's more to it than that. Somebody says, I believe that Jesus was a great teacher. I believe Jesus was the great physician. I believe Jesus was a, uh, was, a, was a rabbi. I believe that Jesus was all these things. Listen, it is more than just having a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. Brother, it must become a thing of the heart. John chapter three, verse three. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. There's somebody here this morning says, Preacher, I wish you'd just go ahead and quit. Listen, you know what? The day Jesus comes, you'll wish I'd have kept on going. And you're here this morning and you stand before the King of Kings with your, with your good works and you stand before the King of Kings holding out your charter membership or you stand before the King of Kings because uh, uh, Jesus, I just want to let you know that Grandpa was a preacher and he was a mighty good preacher. Brother, it's more than that. It's more than standing before God and saying, I know that Jesus was a good man. He was more than a good man. He was more than a good teacher. He was more than a miracle maker, brother. He's the Savior of the world and you must personally accept Christ as your Savior. We're done. I ask you a question. Have you made a personal choice to receive Christ as your Savior? Personal choice. You know how the Bible puts it? Ask a question. Have you answered the knock? Let me tell you what Jesus said. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It's not enough for Brother Brandon to open his door. It's not enough for Brother David to open his door. You've got to open your door and invite Jesus into your life.
Oh, listen. If you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, why don't you get it nailed down today? Why don't you know? Why don't, why don't you come to know Christ as Savior? Listen, you say, preacher, I've been in church all my life. Praise God, that's wonderful. But you know what? If you don't know you're saved, you ought to get it nailed down today. Amen. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to be back in God's house. And God, thank you for just a simple message on salvation. Lord, I pray so much now that you'll do that, which I cannot do. I pray that you'll work in hearts. Father, if there are people here today that don't know that they're on their way to heaven, they hope, they think there's a chance. Lord, there's a, there's a, uh, Lord, there's a chance they're going, but they don't know that they know that they know. Father, I pray today that they'll come and let us take the Bible and help them with that. Oh, Lord, we'll not embarrass them in any way. We're not going to make them give a speech. We're not going to make them say one thing in front of the church. But, Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know that they're saved, I pray they'll come today. God, if there's one here this morning that claims to be born again, but there's no change, there's no change. Maybe today they need to tiptoe down to this altar and say, Lord, what's going on? I've still got the same toothache. I've still got the same knock in the motor that I had before. Lord, what's going on? God, I pray now that you'll work. I pray you'll do that which only you can do. And we thank you. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder how many are here today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to get you. But I would like to pray for you. I'll not pray for you by name, but God will know who you are. I wonder if there might be one here today who would say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. If I died right now, if something happened and I died in this pew right now, preacher, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, would you pray for me? You'd slip up your hand right now. Just raise it. Come on, be bold. You'd raise it up right now. You'd say, Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? I see that little hand right there. Is there another? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? I want to know. I want to know. Is there another anywhere? Come on, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. You'd raise it real high so I don't miss you. Is there anybody else? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure about heaven. Now, I want to go to heaven. I want to be there. But I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. In just a moment, we're going to stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm saved, all right? I'm going to invite you to come and meet us down here at the altar. You say, Wow, Preacher, I'm, I'm scared about that. Okay, I'll tell you what you do. Why don't you ask the person beside you if they'll come with you? And they'll come with you. They'll walk with you. But whatever you do, don't you leave here lost today. Don't you leave not knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven. So, Father, I pray that you'll work now. It's in your hands. It's always been in your hands. God, please don't let anybody leave here without Christ. I pray that you'll have your way, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Let's